All right, we've got everybody here today. We've got the cat, Goose, the cat named Goose, and we have an, we have another AmeriCorps alum um, that is joint that who's joining us today, Craig Whirl, um, and we're going to get into his story. Uh, this is going to be a fascinating conversation. You all have no idea where I already know where it's going to end up, but um, y'all are going to be like, "What the what?" Um, but before we get started, for those of you that are just stumbling upon this YouTube or this uh, podcast, my name is Nikki Fiaco, and I'm the founder of AmeriCorps Connections. And my my goal is really to reach out and connect with as many AmeriCorps alumni as possible. We have 1.2 million of us who have served. Um, so I'm going to hit a tiny fraction of a fraction of a fraction. Um, Y'all, some of y'all might know that this is a really important period of time for us AmeriCorps alums to be getting out there and telling our stories. Um, you know, AmeriCorps alumni, at, our AmeriCorps funding is always slated to be cut from the federal government, but the times are getting really, really real, folks. So if you went through this program and you were transformed and you were impacted and, and your community was affected, um, we need to get out and tell our stories. So definitely reach out to me um, and or your senator or whoever and talk about what your service year is. But before we get started, I also want to give a shout out to um, Time is Money by Dan Medivere, who helped me get this podcast up off the ground. He is a NCCC alumni, and he was one of the first alumni to step forward and say, I don't necessarily need to be on your podcast, but let me give you some pointers on how to make it sound better and look better. And he's still helping me. So thank you so much, Dan. All right. It's now we're going to turn it over to our guest, Craig. But before we get started, I don't know if you remember, but when we pre-interviewed a couple months ago, you said that Forrest Gump was your favorite movie and that you're trying to live a Forrest Gump life. I'm just going to give you a for those of you that are watching and listening, I'm just going to give a short list. If you go to his LinkedIn page, this is a short list of everything that you might find on there. Number one, I always look for the AmeriCorps. So that was two years of NCCC out West. Um, you are also a VISTA Medical Reserve Corps member, um, a speechwriter, a game show con uh, contestant, worked for the University of Oregon, a White House intern, um, worked for Peace Corps, and a ton of other things. So I think that you're really on your way <laughs> for living that Forrest Gump life for sure. But let's get started. Let's start with your service year and see where this conversation and journey ends up. So Craig, let's do how it. did you get started with AmeriCorps? I was researching AmeriCorps while I was in undergrad. And so in undergrad, I went into, I really didn't want to go to college. Uh, no one in my family had ever gone, but I was told, you know, back when I was the early 2000s. That's what you do if you want to have any chance at life. And I was tricked into that. Uh, so I really, I saw myself as a filmmaker from a young age and did make several short films with friends. And it was my passion for sure. Uh, while making my first full-length feature film, my life, my personal life kind of fell apart, my family life. And I lost my footage to all my first, my first film. And I was distraught. And I, I just, I kind of lost the passion at that point. Um, so, you know, I continued on, I was thinking about doing second city in Chicago, cause a lot of my heroes from SNL, they did second city. Um, I even ended up contacting someone from mad TV, which was like a SNL ripoff and asked him what I should major in. Cause I went to school originally for film, uh, and then felt like this is too experimental. This isn't the narrative type of film I want to study. And Frank Caliendo, the comedian, he said, well, I studied journalism at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Why don't you try that out? So I did. 
Um, and it was a very practical program and I enjoyed it and found my first uh, mentor of my life in that program, luckily, but it had nothing to do with service. Um, but I was, you know, straight edge, clear minded. I was very, I think it, you know, looking back, it was, it wasn't because of morals that I didn't drink or do drugs. It was just because both I'm a nerd, but I also, I have a control. I'm a bit of a control freak and that comes from everyone in my family. So I like to be in control a good amount of the time in terms of like deciding what I do. Um, so if you're sober in undergrad, what do you do? You either focus on your classes and your grades, which is not something I would ever do. Uh, so instead I got out in the community, which for me was Milwaukee and started volunteering nonstop. So every moment I wasn't in class, I was volunteering at a different community organization. Uh, and if you know anything about Milwaukee, Wisconsin, super diverse city, but uh, you know, there's historic redlining, historic inequality. There's a lot of help needed. So there was no shortage of nonprofits and organizations that would take me in to do volunteer hours. Um, so I spent most of my time doing that anyway. So when I learned that there was potential that I could get paid, even though it was maybe two or four dollars an hour upon graduation, my mind just shifted. Like I'm no longer a filmmaker. Now I'm a public servant and I want to do service. Um, and of course, my mentors and journalism professors were like, well, what does that have to do with your degree? It has nothing to do with it. And I was like, no, I'm already bought and sold. I'm, I'm going to AmeriCorps, considered Peace Corps, but it felt way too daunting for me at the time. Like I said, I'm a first generation student. No one in my family had traveled anywhere in the world. So AmeriCorps felt like the safe, to most people, it doesn't sound like a safe bet, but to me, it was the safest one. Um, so I ended up like you said, doing AmeriCorps Vista upon graduation, which brought me out west from the Midwest in Wisconsin to Oregon. Uh, and my first year was just a complete mess, a complete S show. I don't know if you can say naughty words on here. You but, can uh, say naughty words. Okay. I don't want to say too many, but I always click the not, not, not made for children. <laughs> okay. Great. Complete shit show. Um, <laughs> I didn't end up meeting my new boss, my new supervisor until about 26 days in on the site. And I was told, it was called the Medical Reserve Corps because a lot of the people I was doing this with, it was disaster relief and disaster resilience work, but mostly medical. It was for a lot of pre-med people who wanna go on to be doctors, which was never my intention. I used it more as a tool to get to a place in the world I wanted to be doing service in Oregon, which was my favorite state that I was able to visit, but also I had a partner studying at Oregon State University so it's the perfect fit. Um, but like I said, I don't meet my supervisor for 26 days. She finally shows up and she hands me a binder that's about 12 inches thick. And she says, here, just study this for the next month or two. I'm trying to take all my leave before I quit my job uh, so oh. I can keep my benefits. Don't tell anyone. Well, now I just told everyone. But at the time, as a scared kind of like 22-year-old, 23-year-old, whatever I was, who had just moved across the country for the first time in my life, I felt very alone and isolated. And my partner mm -hmm. was busy with grad school. So I was like, I made a huge mistake. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was it was scary. And, you know, I had this love for service and I knew AmeriCorps was a great program. I knew that I just got a bad placement. I was unlucky. Uh, so I asked for a replacement and they gave me a, three options. They said, you can go a couple hours away to a pretty good sounding program. You could go 20 minutes away to a pretty bad sounding program where they already had a Vista and they didn't need any more help, or you can quit. 
and I didn't want to be a quitter. Um, and I also, I cared more about my relationship at that time than I did about my personal well-being. Mm. So I took the one that was about 15, 20 minutes away that sounded like a slightly different shit show from the one I was already partaking in. Um, we we do love AmeriCorps, by the way, folks. Like, I love, you, no, this has yeah, a happy it, ending. I swear yeah. it does. If, we, like, if, if people are listening to this podcast on a regular basis, they will find that this is sometimes a theme where it's like, I had no idea what I was signing up for. It was a total shit show. But in the end, I was able to, da, 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 da. but yeah. go on. I mean, so you're at the second shit show. With, they absolutely loved it. And they, a lot of them are, most of them went on to be doctors and oh, wow. super happy with their program. Uh, I, on the other hand, realized I picked the wrong program. I mean, this is on me. Um, but I still had faith that AmeriCorps was the right program. So I went to the new site again, it didn't work out. And I was like, all right, I'm going to take a couple months. I'm going to foster a puppy and I'm going to reconsider what my options were. And the two options I applied for and eventually got accepted to, uh, was something called Northwest Youth Corps, which is, uh, based just outside of Eugene, Oregon. Um, and it's a lot of outdoor wilderness survival work, trail building, working with, uh, young teams. And the other one was the National Civilian Community Corps, uh, which has branches all around the country, as some of you know. Um, and I was specifically looking at the Sacramento campus. Um, and those were my two options. I got accepted to both. Uh, but unfortunately, I got a gaping wound in my stomach because I had a failed botched surgery um, oh and a staph infection. So wasn't able to do Northwest Youth Corps. I had to delay a couple months, which forced me to do AmeriCorps and C. Um, which ended up being the best decision of my life, and to this point, the best year of my life. Uh, and I'm sure I'll talk mostly about that year of NCCC going forward. But you know, a lot of things had to go wrong to make NCCC happen for me. But a lot of things also, I got lucky uh, with placement and with my projects uh, and just the people that were around me. Um, but yeah, I moved down to Sacramento from Oregon and and started that year of service, which. It's, you know, and Triple C, unlike Vista, uh, my Vista year was direct service, hands-on, a lot of physical manual work. Most people do them in reverse order because mm -hmm. Vista requires a college degree or it did back then and Triple C does not. Um, so I was on I was on the very oldest threshold of core members in Triple C that are even allowed. I just got I think in. It's 19 through limit. 20. Is it 19 through 24, 18 through 24? Uh, it was 18 because my roommates were 18, 18 through uh, 24, but you could turn 25 during the program, which is what okay. I did. I think they might have upped that to 26 now. I'm not quite sure. You have to look into that one. Um, I will. <laughs> I think to recruit more members, they they kind of bumped it up. But yeah, so I was just on that top echelon. Um, but I love that because I was able to serve kind of as a bit of a mentor, especially to my 18-year-old roommate who... I was lucky enough to just visit now over a decade later, just went out and saw him and climbed a mountain with him five days ago. So oh, that's really awesome. made lifelong connections in that program. And it's really guided me through everything I've done since many of the stuff you listed before. Uh, mm -hmm. And I'll ramble about that more as we continue to talk. <laughs> yeah. And I definitely want you to ramble about all of your, because it's really interesting how you go, how a, a lot of members, most of alumni that I speak to, it, you go from one opportunity to another and it just kind of pops up, right? Like it's just something where right time, right person, and um, and it works out that way. And, you know, to your point about 
um, Vista. Vista placements can be awesome. And if the project and the program is structured well, and sometimes it, it's just not that way. <laughs> so yeah. it's great. And it, I also have a philosophy in life that, you know, it it's easier sometimes to figure out what you don't want and what, what kind of experiences you don't want to have to figure out what you do want. And then I always take that and I, I wrap it into my values. I'm like, this is, I know that I don't want to feel that way, be with those type of people or whatever. Um, I know that this is actually more aligned with, with the way I want to live my life. So you did NCCC, you got your hands dirty. Um, I think you were building houses and blazing trails and doing everything, everything else to the sun. Um, what were some of the projects that really impacted you during your service year? Yeah, so I was in four different projects and I adored all of them for different reasons. The first one you alluded to was home construction, home construction for migrant farm workers. Uh, that was for the Coachella Valley Housing Coalition or Coalition. Uh, that was in the Coachella Valley in Southern California. So super hot. Um, so the idea of a, I, I hadn't, up to that point, had never taken a nap in my life. I think it's, you know, a mixture of high energy and attention deficit and all sorts of other stuff, but I had never napped other than being a baby. Uh, but then on that, it was so hot while we were building these homes together that we would take siestas every day. And at first I was like, I'm not going to be able to fall asleep in the middle of the day, especially while like getting worked up and working hard in the morning, building homes. And yeah, I was able to pass out after like four days, at, like perfectly on time at like 10 AM wake up at, I think we woke up like one 30 in the afternoon and got back wow. to work. So they were really like 12 hour days we were putting in with that yeah. siesta in the middle from kind of sunrise to sundown. And I, I just adored that project. I'd never been to, you know, Southern California in my life. And we were in the desert and it was just a new climate to me, new life. And in NCCC, you're living with, you know, 10 other young people out of a van. Uh, and I also wasn't, I was kind of a selfish person at that point in my life. And I wasn't good at working with people. I always chose, you know, if I was going to do a sport, it's going to be like golf or tennis, something I don't need to, I'm not a team player. <laughs> I just wasn't at that point in my life. I was such a kind of reclusive social, like solo person. And uh, so that's exactly the opposite of NCCC because you all live yeah. together, work together, for, eat together, sleep in the yeah. same room together. Like yeah, Shop there's together. no privacy. Yeah. It's everything. You become family, you become enemies, you become oftentimes people become lovers. Like I yep. found a partner in NCCC, but not on my team, which I think allowed it to survive for a good amount of time. Uh, but, you know, it's just a one in, once in a lifetime program opportunity. And it really took all of my weaknesses and made them strengths, I think, at mm. that point in my life, because I would have continued so on a trajectory of, you know, being selfish, being you know, worrying about myself, not being like, it's a very militaristic program. And I say that in the good aspects of like, you know, rise at 5am to do physical training, which is not my lazy butt would never wake up before 11am before this program. And now in my life, I am that type of person that wants to rise early and see the sunrise. But I remember going for runs, you know, in the desert, because the desert's freezing at night and deathly during the day. So wake up at like 4.30 a.m. to go for a run in the desert before doing home construction for 12 hours. And, you know, after just living like that, you you don't really, it's kind of hard to become lazy again, I think, because mm -hmm. you realize how much potential you really have or how much potential the human body has in terms of 
exerting energy. So and it's so energy, it's so energizing, right? Like you you have you, you know, I, I've been falling into this habit of staying up late and getting up late. And it's funny because every time I get up late, I'm like, sleep get begets more sleep. So the more tired, the more sleep that you have. I mean, now sleep is important, right? But it's also there's there's a balance of getting up. Um, I love the hours before, like right when the sun is, is rising, you can hear the birds start to rustle around and start to sing and and um yeah. So I, that's, that's so cool that, that, and, and that it got to you at a young age. Um, I didn't do AmeriCorps when I was young. I, I did AmeriCorps in my mid thirties, but I worked in the fitness industry um, when I was in my early twenties. And so I learned fitness and I learned nutrition. Now I know it, I don't always do it, but, <laughs> but it was so, it was so important in my early twenties to understand fitness and like how you can use your body um and 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 just the energy flow of of such a you know uh, rigorous routine yeah so you did two years of NCCC were you a a NCCC leader your second year no I applied uh I mean actually I only did one year of NCCC two two total years of AmeriCorps four projects in my one year of NCCC so I was I applied to be a team leader and a core member at the same time for my one year. And when I really, when it came down to it, you know, I just finished college took me five years. Then I did that kind of underwhelming year of Vista. And I was like, okay, do I want a leadership position because it'll look better on my resume? Or do I want to like really just work my butt off as a core member? And I decided I want to work my butt off as a core member. I don't want to be in charge of you know, other people, because I want to focus on kind of building myself. And it's hard to go inward when you have to worry about so many external factors and keep track of people and data and stuff. So for the, I felt like it was kind of a respite for me, even though I put so much energy into the projects, I didn't, I wasn't responsible for anyone but myself. And I think that was a really big thing. I mean, and being a good team member, which is what I was learning, but I'm so glad, like in hindsight that I didn't end up being a team leader, our team leader, I, you know, I just watched her struggle and not really be able to enjoy the program. Cause she was a core member who turned into a team leader and she would always mm-hmm. be like, man, being a, a core member was so much better. I wish I could be a core member again. And, and then I think the stress got to her cause she ended up eating uh, one of our other core members birthday cake um, <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> no, and caused this big dramatic mess. And we can laugh about it now, but at the time it was like, serious. It's like, what side am I going to take? My team leader Oof. who sabotaged the core member, and it was it was good drama. Um, oh, and that's the time felt huge, and now we look back and we're like, that was so silly that we made that such a dramatic thing. But that could yeah. be a funny um, short short video. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. I, if, I for some reason I see that as an animation or something. Um, okay, so you did your your service year. Is there anything else that you want to reflect on your service year before we learn all of the other adventures that you've taken in your life? Yeah, I mean, I just, we were kind of alluding to, you know, how exhausting life can be and how energizing hard work can be. And, uh, you know, I did that home construction project for my first round, which was just out the gate, like super hard work. Like I didn't have a background in construction. None of my teammates said we had to learn from scratch and then put in a bunch of sweat equity. And we like met with the families whose houses we were building. It was just so rewarding to watch them kind of, you know, start moving in and I just, it's so cool. impactful. And then that immediately went to 
uh, youth environmental camp restoration out in mm -hmm. Camp Sealt on Vashon Island, a beautiful island out in Washington State. Uh, you know, there's just bald eagles and seals everywhere yeah. in the Puget Sound. And but again, like really hard grunt work. We're building trails. We're like taking the chainsaws out. We're digging trenches. We're up to our neck in the Puget Sound, like scraping the docks and trying to get all this sea life off so they don't ruin the docks. And it's wow. just just wild, literally wild work. And it just made our team, I think, so close. But then my third project was fourth grade assistant teaching at an elementary school in Sacramento. <laughs> and by far the most exhausting job out of all of them. Oh my gosh, um, that's funny. And, yeah, even more so than the next one was the most physically exhausting trail building in Silver Falls State Park in Oregon and doing waterfall repair, which is oh, still yeah. my favorite job title. I can say to this day is waterfall repairman. Um, can, can you give us an example of how you repair a waterfall? Because yeah, I so, feel like they're just like natural things. Exactly. And so like, how do you repair something that's built by nature? Yeah, that's the hard thing. It's, it's, it's just restoration of what was naturally, you know, what naturally occurred over thousands of years of water wearing away stone and, and earth. But uh, FEMA, you know, made a federal declaration, um, which sent us there because there was so much flooding in the area. The natural, natural, like, you know, sides of the waterfalls just were worn away and decimated. And then there's also walkways behind five of the waterfalls, I believe, in Silver Falls State Park. I was just there last week visiting it to show my fiance um, all the work that we had done there. Um, That's so, so cool. Basically. You know, someone would go in, um, put a climbing harness. I don't even know what they're called, but the the belay hook behind the waterfall in the stone. We we clamp in, and then we dangle over the waterfall um, to where it was eroding behind the waterfall. And using natural materials uh, to try to build out the walkway and support it, so that generations ahead could continue to walk behind that waterfall and experience nature to the full effect in that. In that beautiful park, which I highly recommend everyone go to Silver Falls State Park in Oregon. It, yeah. it was they applied for national park status back in like the 30s or something. The only reason, or not in the 30s, I think much later, but the only reason they weren't granted national park status was because their old growth trees were clear cut back in the 20s or the 10s or mm -hmm. something. Um, but otherwise, it's completely majestic place. I mean, the trees are still gigantic, they just aren't 600 years old. Interesting. I didn't even know that there was some um, certification that was needed for national state park designation, but learn things every day. And I'll just say that I thought the most dangerous thing that I did during my service year was chainsaw training. And I learned how to use a chainsaw, but I was not dangling from mm. a rope behind the waterfall. Now I did learn that I don't ever want to use a chainsaw because they scare me to death and you could chop your leg off. Um, but that is so cool. And, and how fun is it that you can go back to the park and see the work that you did? It's still there. That's very cool. Absolutely. Yeah. I took a, a ton of video and I name dropped you in one of the videos. So hopefully I can find oh, that at some point sweet. and share it with you because yeah, it just, it brought back a whole flood of emotions and Luckily, I was also the chainsaw person for our team, but I wasn't dangling over the waterfall and doing any chainsaw work. I think that'd <laughs> be a good. little too far for me. That's yeah, great. Otherwise, yeah, my favorite project, my favorite place on earth, to be honest, like 
I definitely want my ashes spread there at Silver Falls State Park. I just had such a good time. And I got core member of the round for working my butt off, which I was really excited about, I guess, at that point in my life. But uh, it was, you know, mostly about how I grew internally as a person there, kind of rounding out my NCCC program and seeing it all come to a head. Uh, and really, honestly, trying for the first time in my life. I had never tried mm-hmm. anything my whole life. I had never opened a textbook, never studied for a test. Like I told you, never woken up before 11 a.m. And I decided on my road trip to Sacramento, like, I'm going to put everything into this. Like, if if I can. Oh, no. Uh, oh, he's back. That was fast. But now you're muted. It right. shut down and restarted instantly. That was, that was very fast. That was like zoom zoom fast um okay so you were saying you were just the way that you get you uh, rounded out your your service year and how you grew yeah. internally i mean trying for the first time in my life so yes you know i told myself on my road trip to my service site in sacramento like i'm gonna okay. i'm gonna work my butt off i'm gonna put everything i have into this uh if at the end of it i have nothing to give like that's kind of my goal uh, just be spent by the end of this. Don't say, I wish I would have worked harder. I wish I would have been a better teammate. I wish I would have learned more or read more in my free time. Like I did everything I could uh, try to be prime physically, mentally. And and it, I think that's what made it the best year of my life. Just that that motivation uh, to just be as good as I can be and kind of push my myself to my personal limits just to see what those were. And yeah, I think I, that's... I- I think that that's like such great advice to think about like everything that we do and maybe not like, and I'm not talking about perfectionism or anything, but like, you know, this is a little philosophical, but just waking up in the morning, not everybody gets to do that. And so whatever we're pouring ourselves into, whatever we're doing for that day or for that moment, and, you know, whether it's your job or being with present with your family or your friends or whatever, like doing it full out. Like, what if we just did everything full out all the time and we just did have Mm. no regrets, like similar to the end of your service year? Like, I don't know. I think at the end of the day, we'd all be a lot happier with ourselves. (laughs) I think so, too. I mean, I just think, you know, I don't know anyone who's like, I stared at TikTok for six hours today and I feel great. (laughs) So I do think there's something to that. I think there are limits that we should put on ourselves. like. There was a time in my life where I'm like, if I just sprint everywhere, I'll be able to experience more in my life. And then I'm that awkward guy you see down the street in plain clothes, just running to the grocery store and running to the coffee shop. And I don't want to I be really that actually guy, listen, wish I that we lived closer. <laughs> I really wish that we lived closer because I would love to see that. That's so, so you could funny. see me just sprinting down the street. Yeah. Yeah. I have been trying to intentionally, <laughs> if I'm standing in line, the other day I was getting a prescription and it was I was in line for like 20 minutes. It was and I'm like, don't look at your phone. Don't look at your phone. Just like nice. like Eckhart Tolle says, just focus on your breathing and focus on being alive mm. and just look at everything. But it's so easy to just like, you know, scroll, but being intentional where our attention is, is, is important. So it sounds like you're yeah. in triple That's another C thing here. to look back on fondly. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I had no phone service during 99% of AmeriCorps yeah. and triple C. 
and it made it truly made my life better like I look I always think of that when I start looking at my phone too much and my battery's dying halfway through the day I'm like okay what was the best time in my life oh it was when I didn't even have a smartphone I just had a normal slider phone and I didn't have service on it so it's it, I, I don't equate um, you know my cell phone with happiness I, I think the more I'm using it I probably have other things that are unsettled and I usually do some inward looking when my battery is dying halfway through the day and I'm like what's causing me to put that my eyes down over and over mm -hmm. so yeah I think it's a good monitor yeah I I had an interview with Noah Smock um I think back in May I don't know which episode it was but and he did NCCC and he was very intentional on why he chose NCCC um and it sounds and and through his story and his journey it, you you both have a similar sort of reflection on how you intentionally went into it, choosing to go into it, like you saying, I don't, I didn't necessarily want to be a leader because I wanted to focus on myself and then coming out of it, like really, really physically and, and mentally transformed, like, like uh discipline, mentally disciplined, transformed mm -hmm. on the other side. That's, that's huge. So if anybody's listening to this, I know in triple C is recruiting right now. So I'll, I'll make sure the links are in the notes, but um, nice. yeah, but uh, this, this is exciting. Uh, too bad I'm too old to do in triple C. Bummer. <laughs> I mean, team leader, you can be, I think, 95. Oh, really? So, yeah, there's no hmm. limit on team leader. There didn't used to be. And I would highly recommend that. Like, I would love to, you know, in 10 years, go be a team leader. I think it would be amazing. That would be so, so. fun. But your crew would love that. <laughs> um, I think they'd have a good time. Yeah. So I want to follow your journey. I love everything that you're saying about NCCC. And it's so important for us. AmeriCorps alums to reflect on the, the transformation that we made, or that we went through during our service year. And I think what's also equally as important is to understand how that experience either gave us, like for me, my service year gave gave me confidence. It I, I had no idea that I could visualize a project, make it happen, implement it, and then reflect back on it and either do it again or get it, you know, get recognized for something. I had no idea I had that in me. I just was a mom at the time, you know, just a mom. Um, so I think it's important for us to reflect back, but that also prepared me for the next challenge and the next challenge and the next challenge. And without that opportunity to serve in AmeriCorps, I would have never had the confidence in myself to do some of the, the crazy things that I've stuck my neck out to try to do you know, in, in the name of national service, actually. So what was your, tell us a little bit about your journey. Cause I definitely want to get to and have enough time to talk about what you're doing now, because that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely get to that. Um, so, I mean, there's so much that sticks with me and, you know, I think it goes back to, I mean, it really goes back to childhood. Um, you know, I wasn't religious. I had no reason to do service or volunteer. The only thing I can really recall is uh, my hometown had a really bad flooding. And mm. my mom just said, get in the car. We're going, because we were spared. Our house was spared. You know, get in the car. We're, we're going to go help. And we just kept going in people's basements, trudging through water, just pulling out their memories and their wow. cherished items. And again and again and again, we just kept doing that for different houses. And I didn't really know why. I'm so confused. Like, I can swim in people's basements. Why is this happening? You know, I was, I was a pretty young kid. Um, but the why of why we're doing it is like, that's just what you do. Like, just be a good person to fellow human. Like, and that 
that really stuck with me, but it was never really formalized. So, you know, that's kind of what set the foundation for why I decided to do any service starting in mostly undergrad. Um, and then what I took away from this formalized AmeriCorps experience was realizing that first year was kind of a waste of my time because I, I picked a bad fit. Um, but what I learned from that is kind of learning how to step away and follow mm. my heart and do, you know, what's authentically right for me. And that program, like on paper, just was not a good fit, wasn't the right fit. And ever since that moment, I would say like, I picked a bad program, shouldn't have done that. I don't think I've ever made another mistake like that where someone would look at it on paper and be like, this doesn't make sense. Like, I think the rest of the things I've done since that time, oh, this makes sense. This makes sense. Oh, you have and skills it, here. Oh, you want to gain skills here. So everything and else you know, kind of makes I, sense. I would just, I wanted to just point out too, that you were, you were in your early twenties and for you to be um, so introspective to actually take responsibility for that decision because I think so many people don't want to be accountable and they want to live in the victim and they want to say Vista is a terrible program and I had a terrible supervisor and everything was awful and the world is against me but to take accountability to say yeah actually I I made I made a bad choice you know and and I love the fact that you said you didn't want to be a quitter and you know you you stuck it out and you did what you need to do and you learn something from it, right? Like that's something that to just double down on situations that are difficult. I have a book, it's actually in the back behind me. It's called The Obstacles the Way by uh, Ryan Holiday. And I love that stoic concept where, where it's like, you got to go through it to get to the other side. And it's, it's uncomfortable. It can be scary. It can be, you know, all these things, but the whole time, like you're learning along the way. But I want to acknowledge that, um, you know, being 20 something and taking accountability for your choices is, is, is very mature. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Um, I do feel like I had to, you know, as people say, like grow up really quick. And a lot of that came from my own personal demons, you know, struggling. You, you were talking about fitness before, like I got into fitness at a young age because I have body dysmorphia and I was a very obese kid who turned the other way and became anorexic. And uh, and then I became vegan for eight years. And there were all these things that I was trying to like, mm. you know, overcome, even if they were real obstacles or obstacles I placed there. Um, mm -hmm. Things I had to just overcome from my personal life of, you know, having a single, being raised by a single mother who was constantly at work to provide for us. And um, all these things, I think, built me up and make me stronger. Uh, but I never put everything together until AmeriCorps of all these Cool. These things that I gained in terms of, I guess, resilience and things that I was just overcoming that had made me a strong person and an introspective person. Um, yeah, and it all kind of just came out, it came to a head at this AmeriCorps and Triple C year and gave me time to process it because once the work was done, you know, I was exhausted. I didn't have technology. It was all like time to process the last basically 22 years of my life. Um, which I think is what I value most of, of everything is it just the no better time to be introspective. I, I don't think than a, a program where you're purposely giving yourself, um, you know, everything you had in my situation for service. And then like, why am I doing this? Not only why am I doing AmeriCorps, but you know, why am I waking up each and every morning, uh, making that choice? Cause it is a choice and I continue to do it and be here for it. And love it more and more every day, every year. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah. That's great. Um, 
Yes. And I, and, and it is true. Some of the things that are carried along with us and, you know, something that you said made, made me think about my service year where we were able to use our volunteer time as like 10% of our service hours. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was in my mid thirties and um, I was coaching my kids in soccer and my program manager said, you can use that time as volunteer hours. And I, I've told this, I think I've told this story before. I was like, uh, but I'm, is it volunteering? I'm, I'm a parent. Isn't this what parents do? And then I looked on the sidelines and there were, you know, 20 other parents just sitting there drinking their coffee while I was putting together a practice and a strategy. And even though they were five years old, I was telling them that there's chocolate candy bars inside the soccer ball. So everyone needs to go to the ball and not away from the ball. (laughs) Um, But I didn't, I didn't know that volunteering and service was number one. I didn't even know that it was an actual industry that Mm -hmm. Um, globally, you know, people are involved in employee volunteering and and so reflecting back on my service year, there were things that I didn't know existed. And I learned that through my AmeriCorps year. So yeah, I relate to a lot of that. I mean, just quickly, um, you know, I don't think I'll ever be part of a more diverse program than NCCC. I had, you know, we have some students that had just finished Job Corps to get their GED um, so they're just graduating high school. And then we have other people who have master's degrees all in, you know, 250 people on one campus working together for this on the same mission. I think that's another thing that made it the best year of my life. It's like so many perspectives, many of which I loved and many of which I've, I honestly hated and disagreed with. And I was like, I don't agree with the way you live life. But I think that's what made it so great is we were able to have kind of constructive disagreements and arguments in the middle of hard labor work um and you really learned the the variety of perspectives people have in this world and then just to relate to you real quick in my uh this year that didn't go so well I became a head coach for the boys and girls club baseball team and I would say 90 percent of my kids didn't know how to what what hand to put their glove on so it was it was bad news bears honestly (laughs) Uh, but one of the best experiences of my life and we ended up taking fourth place in the whole state of Oregon. So that was one of the biggest accomplishments in my life up to that point. So that was how I, after I was done with my, my work at AmeriCorps Vista, I would coach youth baseball. So it was pretty good. That's very cool. Very cool. So where do we want to go from here? (laughs) I guess, um, you know, what, what is uh, next in life, I guess. Yeah. I mean, after, so after your service year, you kind of reflect back and then you just kind of, what do you do? You dust off your pants and wash them and then hang them up in the closet. And then like, what, like, how do you even find your next step? Um, Because I, you know, I'm not, I'm not as familiar with NCCC. So is there a period where you're able to job search or look for other opportunities? Like, how did you decide what you wanted to do after that? Because I can imagine like assimilating back into kind of you know domestic life we'll say um yeah. what yeah what was that like transition was tough and you know they do at least back when I served which is now over a decade ago they did put a heavy emphasis on transition and looking at careers looking at jobs and professional development uh, but for me it was like so overwhelming because mm-hmm. I had loved my year but I was also deeply like exhausted frustrated at that point Um, So I decided to do a nice little six month road trip uh, with a partner I'd met in the program. And our goal was go from Sacramento back to her home in New Jersey and hit up 
you know, 12 to 15 national parks along the way, living out of our car, uh, to give us more time, buying more time to process what, what we had just gone through, and also growing together, you know, as a couple, as a partnership. Um, and that was great, but it was hard to find work, especially at that time, you know, I graduated at the, the economy had tanked in 2008, and then tanked even lower in 2010, 11, 12. So uh, it was not looking pretty, uh, but I ended up pivoting completely. I didn't want to sell out, but you know, I did want some money. <laughs> so for the, for the first and only time in my life up to this point, I worked corp at a corporate software company. That was my first job. And it was soul sucking because it was <laughs> looking at screens, you know, nine hours a day. Wow. A fun office which was such a shift from living out of a tent in the woods in Oregon building trails. And I couldn't, it was, it was soul sucking for me. It was very hard. Mm -hmm. One of the, the hardest times of my life. And I have some videos of me back then. And I just, I look completely drained and sad and have no energy. Uh, and I immediately, I didn't immediately, I quit that after 10 months, went to go work at a food co-op and then immediately moved to an organic farm and lived and worked on the farm. Um, just growing organic vegetables, selling at farmer's markets and getting my hand in the soil while I applied to grad school um, and was accepted. So that was the, my natural is sell out, realize you're not a sellout <laughs> and move to an organic hippie farm, a little commune farm that had been around. It was a nonprofit education center and farm that was funded mm -hmm. by the Bronners, you know, the soap people. So they came to visit oh, and cool. had a soap party with us, which was a lot of fun. Um, and it was the complete opposite of the software job. So yeah. um, I'm really glad I did that. And it prepped me for two years of grad school where I studied public administration back out in Oregon because I fell in love with the state in my first go around. Um, and, you know, nothing from there is linear or makes sense. But I studied public administration because I, from all my volunteering, I thought, oh, I want to be a public servant for real, like actually mm. get paid over $2 an hour, maybe get paid you know, eventually six figures as a city manager or something to that effect, a policymaker in DC. Uh, and that's when I was offered, you know, the federal job to go work in the Obama White House upon graduation. Uh, and I did work for the Domestic Policy Council and helped inform some of the the biggest policies in the country under wow. the 44th president, president of the United States, which is just wild to me that I can even say that because a lot of the people that worked alongside me weren't AmeriCorps graduates. They were, you know, the Harvards, the Yales, the legacy students. Um, so imposter syndrome wanted to creep up on me, but I, I didn't feel like it was imposter syndrome. I just felt like I had a unique story of someone that was working in Washington. How did you find that intern opportunity? Uh, well, it's actually funny because, you know, I just left my job as a career coach at the University of Wisconsin, and I'm really into working with students, but it wasn't from my intern uh, or my um, ah. internship office on campus. It was just through my private searching because I had worked for the Obama campaign as an intern back in 2007, 2008. Uh, and I had, you know, heavy interest in the administration. It was the first president I was able to vote for, for my age. And so I had a lot of, you know, as a lot of young people did back then, um, felt like they were part of this movement. Um, so being able to work on the tail end, it was like, it all came full circle. Like I campaigned gotcha. for this person now I'm working there. Uh, but my internship director at my grad program actually told me, why are you applying to this? You'll never get accepted. And you've never showed an interest in federal government. 
And I was like, none of that is true. Like I've told you my dream job is to be a program director for AmeriCorps. And that's pretty much why I went to grad school. I thought, oh, I loved NCCC. Perhaps I could be a unit leader or a program director down the road. So uh, wow. I felt very unseen by that internship director. Yeah. But as someone that eventually went on to do that type of work with students, I thought, okay, never say anything to that effect to any student ever. If they say that's their dream and their goal, like it is, that's, you know, it's yeah. coming straight from the source. Why deny them their own reality? So I found that I very had, strange, but it, it motivated me for sure. I had a, um, an interesting situation happen to me actually in high school, kind of similar. My, um, my advisor in high school said, don't apply to go to college. And I was a four, mm. four year varsity athlete in four sports. So I, I varsity in four sports, my freshman, sophomore junior, senior year. And my senior year, I was the mascot. So, I mean, I had, <laughs> had a little bit of, I don't know, I feel like I had something to give with college now that I yeah. know about, you know, what, what college life was, but he told me, he's like, don't even apply. Don't take the SATs. Um, just go to the community college and then you can transfer. Mm -hmm. And I thought I was like the smartest person while everybody was in there, you know, in the library, taking their SATs. And, and while it did all work out and I, and I really am happy the way things worked out, to your point, if somebody, you would never tell somebody not to do something that they, they were excited about doing, even if it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, even lending your perspective, an alternative perspective, that's yes. fine. But to to try to guide someone else's life to that degree, I just, I just don't agree with it. And our words just carry so much weight as mentors or mm -hmm. advisors or just older people in general, you know, that I remember so many nuggets, negative and positive, from when I was young, and I've just latched onto them. So now, as a professional mentor at times, uh, as a career coach, most recently, like I realize how much weight my words carry, and I try to choose them very carefully. But I also, you know, I love pushing back on ideas and and I, you know, theories and different career choices, and give them alternative perspectives. And you know, instead of going to work for Goldman Sachs, why not take off a year and go do AmeriCorps? Uh, even though your parents say that's the worst idea in the world. That's a conversation that, you know, is common. And probably a lot of people listening are like, my parents don't want me to do AmeriCorps. Well, you really need to look inside and realize and tell them and show them how many people have gone on from service programs like this. You know, Michelle Obama, she's an alum uh, mm -hmm. of an AmeriCorps program or helped co-found an AmeriCorps program. And she did quite well for herself. So you don't always need to jump directly into the lucrative, high-paying, well-known career. Now, there's a lot of alternative paths or stutter steps or, you know, forks in the road. You can take the, the road less traveled for a bit and you can always jump back. So our president I, of the Senate out here in Maryland um, is a, a Teach for AmeriCorps alumni. I mean, awesome. there's, yeah, um, there's, and I think we have maybe two senators, U.S. senators that are alumni. I should know those off the top of my head. Um, Fetterman, I think is one and I didn't know that. And there's someone else and I can't remember their name, but, um, that's a good point. And then also like you get your education awards. So if you do want to go back to university or school or whatever, um, in my nine to fiver today, I was in a meeting with a local uh, community college talking about the, uh, their culinary program that they have. It's a two-year culinary program. And I remember somebody who took their education award and went to Italy, enrolled in a culinary program and went to Italy to learn hmm. culinary skills. So awesome. like, 
yeah, yeah. like i know so many people have done outdoor wilderness awesome. training yes i have no outward idea what bound. i did with mine i think i bought a laptop or something but <laughs> yeah. all right you're back <laughs> um okay career coach giving people good advice and uh, I mean, I've done, as you know, like 20 things since then. I founded companies, um, one, a benefit corporation called The Way Out in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, that helps people who are formerly incarcerated uh, find access to high paying jobs so they can improve their quality of life. Um, is, and that pro is that organization still around? Around and doing better than ever. Got funded by the Milwaukee Bucks, got funded by Google. Uh, they're killing it. I gave up my equity in the company, but Eli and Ellie and uh, Ruben are still running it and doing great What's things the name with of it. it. It's called The Way Out. And now there's I a nonprofit that. arm to the benefit corporation called My Way Out. <gasps> That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. So they're doing amazing things and they're amazing people. And I was lucky enough to, you know, be right place, right time um, to help with that. And uh, also, you know, eventually jumped to Silicon Valley to work for nonprofit tech, helping uh, kind of, you know, going around the world, helping promote internet access, um, internet equity issues. Um, something that's going to become more and more important is privacy issues in terms mm -hmm. of technology, um, which I was really happy to do for Mozilla, which is, you know, the Firefox company, which was, you know, it was a lot different than the work I'd done in the past, but it really connected with everything because I was able to be kind of a Robin Hood of philanthropic efforts uh, to help entrepreneurs who had a good idea related to education or workforce development to really help, you know, change the world uh, through small funds that could help build a company with a good idea. Uh, because we did it all through a lens of equity and trying to be inclusive and people that were traditionally let, let out of tech and entrepreneurs that were left out of technological conversations kind of have a seat at the table. So. Uh, that was a huge, you know, part of my career and something I was really happy with. Um, also, uh, I guess I worked, I had that dream that I told you about, you know, go do improv, be a filmmaker. So in 2019, um, after having that stint with Mozilla, I was like, all right, well, what I haven't done yet is try that my hand at that. So I moved to LA. I worked with Sundance, the Film Institute, um, and studied improv. Finally, I it took me 15 years to get back to it. Um, you know, I wanted to do it at 18, but instead I did it closer to 30. Uh, and it was one of the best times of my life. And I'm so glad I did that. And when you talk about how AmeriCorps gives you a, a new perspective to everything you do, you know, take an improv class. Uh, it'll really play into everything you do in terms of everything from job interviews to working with the public. Um, when you start a company, um, travel, the way that you travel or or communicate with people. It's just, I found myself going back to a place before my brain got all programmed by graduate school and worrying about mm. job interviews and just worrying so much about public perception back to a more youthful place where I can think on my feet because I, I think that's what people praise me most for when I was young is like, wow, you're so quick witted and you know, you can think on your feet and you say such interesting things so quickly. And then I felt like I lost that somewhere along the line because I was taught to think in this very linear fashion. So uh, if anything else, join AmeriCorps, number one, and then take an improv class. I love that uh, advice. That is great yeah. life advice. <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. It'll, both will do you tremendous benefit, for sure.
Uh, and then, you know, I eventually went on to run a nonprofit, uh, become an executive director. Another thing I never thought I'd do in my life. It was for uh, an urban uh, preservation nonprofit in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, that tried their best to advocate for uh, historic buildings, especially in underserved neighborhoods of Milwaukee, uh, and help preserve the culture and richness of that city and that very diverse city and their uh, neighborhoods because gentrification is a real issue and contributes to a lot of cities really looking the same and really pushing out, you know, people, families that have mm -hmm. been there for generations. And we were doing our best to, to uh, stop that from happening. Um, and then it sounds like, it sounds like you're it, like really after your service year, or it, everything's been so intentional and from, from a, I would say a service perspective, but I feel like it's more of um, following your following your interests or following your, like, this is going to sound so woo-woo, but following your essence of like who Craig is, like just following that and, and, and like interjecting that in for a minute into a field or a company or an organization and getting something out of it, but then also leaving a little bit of like the Craig essence behind. Uh, it, it's just neat. It's very cool. And it reminds me of an AmeriCorps member that, um, uh, I coached for a little while and she had a jobs bucket list. And um, one of the jobs that she wanted to do was to be a bartender. And so after I checked in with her about a month after she told me about her bucket list, she was a bartender. And then she told me she was wanted to be a flight attendant. And now she's a flight attendant. Awesome. And it, it's just kind of cool. Like all of your experiences, I, I really... I hope people understand too that we're we're in a different day and age where like it's okay to do different things and and not stay in a job that either you love it or hate or whatever for mm. you know years and years and years and years. When your time is up, your time is up and it's okay yeah. to move on and find something new. Yeah. And I was, you know, humiliated as a young person because a lot of people told me, like, you're gonna be branded a job hopper, your career's gonna be ruined. And I took that again, I took that advice from you know, the older generation is doctrine. And I was like, okay, well, I'm screwed because I've already had, you know, like eight jobs by the time I got to college. Um, I'd been fired from Walmart twice and Target once, which I'm very proud of to this day. But like you're <laughs> saying, you know, after AmeriCorps, the only job um, that I took that I felt wasn't of Craig's essence was that that uh, tech uh, kind of mm -hmm. content writing job right after NCCC. And it was only 10 months, but it was the only thing I've done since that time where I'm like, this is not authentically me and it's not making my life better. Um, and anytime I am doing something that is authentically me and making my life better, there have been natural times where it's like, oh, it's time to pivot. It's time to try something new. I've helped out here. Um, and I think my skills really are in helping other people be their best and do their best. And that so far in my life hasn't been starting my own company or doing my own thing it's been helping a lot of other people uh do their things and that requires kind of being a consultant and doing that job hopping which mm -hmm. i've been happy to do and i've been able to make a lot of positive impact i think so even though on paper you know i my resume might be six pages long i think it's 99 percent of it has been useful helpful not harmful at the end of the day that's really what i want is to not do harm do no harm uh, and, you know, I, I worked for President Obama, was lucky enough to meet him. And his wow. advice was to be useful. That was his big thing. And I think Sasha or Malia, one of his daughters, 
um, was the one that added that. So be kind, be useful, be fearless were the three things. Wow. And it was, uh, you know, amazing advice. And I really do. I don't think we're made to be cogs in a machine. So usefulness, I don't, I don't tie that to productivity. I do think they're two very separate things, but mm -hmm. useful in terms of what do you truly want to do in life and figure out what that is. And then just sprint, like, you know, put everything you got into it because why not? Uh, you know, I love things that are hard. I love the idea of like, that's hard. Uh, that doesn't dissuade me from wanting to do it. That's a challenge and I do want to do it. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's um, like bringing yeah. it like the usefulness is like, like, like be bringing value, right? Like, like bringing, bring, again, bringing in your, es your essence of how you can make a project better or make a, you know, a thing better. Um, that's really cool. The, do they have shirts? We should make shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I might get sued by. Uh, oh yeah, that's the right. Man Darn himself, it. <laughs> but I'm fine with getting sued. So actually, yeah, check out my e-store next Thursday. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So we've been chatting for almost an hour. So let's. Do Do you want to go to the arc of what you're up to now and how you've made this change and what you've decided to do and. Um, take us on the adventure is there anything in between that you still feel like you need to you want to reflect on to make the story complete or the I story as of now <laughs> yeah I mean I'll I'll do a little bit I guess of rounding out I mean I just like we've alluded to I've done so many different things and a variety of things and like you said before one of the pieces of advice you like to give is you know finding out what you don't want to do is almost as important as finding out what you do want to do, but you're not going to find out what you do or don't want to do if you don't take risks and you don't put yourself out there. So I'm going to, I have done that. I'm going to continue to do that. Um, and one more thing, you know, on my bucket list was I want to do the Peace Corps. And, you know, like I said, I was kind of scared to do it when I was young. I was just scared of travel in general. Um, but I put myself out there, got accepted went out to Senegal, West mm. Africa to do business development work. And it just so happened to be in February, 2020, the end of February, 2020. Um, so it wasn't more than two and a half weeks later that the buzz started going around about this weird bug going around this virus, um, the coronavirus, as we called it back then. And I had no idea what that meant for me, you know, one month into my service year, which was supposed to be close to three years. Um, but what it meant was a chartered flight out of Senegal back to the US where I had sold everything, quit my <sighs> executive director job, ended relationships, said goodbye to friends, said goodbye to family, gave up my apartment. I had nothing to my name, not a single thing that wasn't in my backpack I brought to Africa. Uh, so ended up at an Airbnb in quarantine and went on a 17,000 mile road trip after that, just wandering until the world opened back up, jobs opened back up and we talked about the amount of time for introspection in AmeriCorps, but that was my midlife round of introspection. And it was a very useful time, definitely. A lot of mindfulness, a lot of meditation, a lot of yoga. Um, and what it made me realize is what are the most important things in the world to me? Well, romantic relationships to me do mean a lot. I love having a partner to go through life with. I love if I see a sunset to say, hey, look over there rather than just take it in myself. That's important to me. So that was a major priority. I want that to eventually turn into, you know, being a parent. I love kids. I've always loved kids. Pretty old. I have no kids. It doesn't make sense. I've 
I am Uncle Craig to an amazing, uh, you know, set of nibblings, Sam and Ty, uh, but I do want to experience that, that first person fatherhood. So that was number two, uh, what's important to me. Number three, doing something that's not harmful, like I said, a job that's meaningful, impactful. Mm -hmm. That means a lot. Um, but I also, you know, I love adventures. I love putting myself in precarious situations. I love being uncomfortable which sleeping on a hardwood gym floor in AmeriCorps and Triple C, it makes you uncomfortable. And I miss that. So <laughs> that leads into, I think, what I'm doing next. I also have a love of travel. Um, so I will be spending the next year of my life. I just quit my job about, I don't know, eight days ago at this point. Um, sold everything I pretty much own that I can't put in a backpack. And will, with my the love of my life, my fiance, be traveling the world for the next year. Um, so incorporating my love of travel, um, my love of discomfort, <laughs> we won't be doing it with a high budget. It'll be extremely low budget. Um, we're going to be making content and we're thinking of it as making videos, writing stories for our future children to look back on um, and see what type of people we were and, you know, why it's okay to take risks, uh, quit comfortable jobs to live cheaply, dangerously sometimes to really get what you want out of life. Um, so we're calling that the travel twerps, um, and we're going to be making videos on YouTube. Uh, we have a prior following that we're going to kind of lean on, but we hope to gain new followers, trying not to use TikTok because it feels a bit toxic, but you know, Instagram will be on Instagram and then also writing blogs on medium.com. Uh, and we're just so thrilled. And if five people read it and watch it, but we have that content for our future kids. Great. Right. You know, if thousands decide to tune in and maybe a couple sponsors are like, well, here's a free hat and, you know, here's a $10,000 to keep traveling for two more years to make content for us. Okay, fine. We'll take it. Yeah. So, yeah. We're, That's we're so really exciting. looking forward to this adventure. And, and my partner's a former flight attendant, speaking of your flight attendant oh, wow. friend. So, you know, she knows her way around the skies. So our, our, our strengths, and she's fluent in Italian, French, our strengths really play together well for this upcoming adventure. That's so exciting that you, it, it's it's the ultimate leap of faith, right? Like um, just jumping in and and doing something that you love. And, and it kind of goes back to what I said, where tomorrow's not guaranteed for us. And, and what a neat perspective that you and your partner are doing it as um like a living history for your future family and also for your for your for your future selves to see and remember um the moments and so how did you come up with what you what is the name of it tourists uh, we call it travel travel twerps twerps <laughs> yeah, traveltwerps.com i love that um, but, yeah because we're both nerdy people dorks at heart she's a performer a former theater kid who gave up that dream years ago, much like me giving up my love of filmmaking and improv. Um, and we've deprived ourselves from, you know, our true selves like you're talking about before, mm -hmm. like our souls, like I had my service piece, but my like, you know, media creation piece, entertainment piece, that piece I always kind of pushed down because I was told a lot, like, you can't profit from that. You can't make a living from that. She was told the same thing when it came to theater and performance, singing, you can't make a living. So she kind of suppressed that and leaned into travel um, as a, a career. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're both trying to, I guess, unrepress, lean into what truly makes us happy, what we, you know, literally, when we talk about our dreams, 
pursuing our dreams. Like these are the things that we dream of. We fall asleep and I picture myself making films and she picks, pictures herself uh, being able to use the languages that she's learned, but also being able to create art and create content and things that uh, she can share with the world and make them happier. So, well, I'm yeah, definitely going to be following your adventure because that just sounds like so much fun. And I was looking at some of the videos that you have already out there. Um, so we'll definitely put all the links and everything that you need in, in the show notes. And so just to kind of wrap things up, um, you know, going back to AmeriCorps, um, what do you, what would you like to see of these, you know, AmeriCorps alumni, what would be something that like we could do, or I don't know, what do, what, what do you see for us? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so tough. Like you said, funding is always, it's so political or politicized. And uh, I was the part of the uh, Alumni Association for NCCC once I finished, but the organization, it just, it was a little bit difficult to to get that excitement going and for people mm -hmm. to really have a, a way to have a centralized momentum, I guess, and talk about their service in creative ways. So even having this podcast and getting the word out there, if it's just like one or a handful of young people who are like, Let's hear about some people who have done this cool program. Oh, I could totally see myself doing that. This person sounds just like me or what I hope to do. Like, you know, I think it's just storytelling. And that's what I've been able to do with, you know, my work at Sundance and what I hope to do with improv. And now what I hope to do with this content is just tell stories. And I think the more stories that people tell about these amazing experiences that we have, because like on my campus alone, we had 300 people with completely unique, entertaining, amazing stories, um, but they didn't really have a forum or medium to share those stories. So the more, mm -hmm. and you said, there's more people that are getting elected to office who have this background. So the more that they can name drop AmeriCorps, you know, the more useful it's going to be and the more likely people are going to be to fund it and support it and send their, their children into programs like this. And just realizing that it's not a gap year. It's not a delayed year. It's an, an, an impactful year that can lead into way more opportunities that you'd have before that year began. So, you know, the more centralized things like this podcast, like groups that are engaging and, you know, I guess I feel like it's been a little too scattered in the past where there's like a group in San Francisco and there's a group in Chicago, yeah. but having those groups kind of using the power of digital mediums kind of all come together and have our convention where we're able to like, you know, preach the the gospel of AmeriCorps. Um, I love that. Because I, I want to buy in. I'm so proud to wear my old tattered AmeriCorps gear in public on service trips. And you run into an alumni and you just, no matter what their background is or where they're from, you'll have something to talk about. So just being yeah. able to get that out and have people relate to it and potential, you know, AmeriCorps members uh, kind of be able to have access to that because I think it's all about access because I definitely mm -hmm. as an 18 year old I would have loved to have done as I'm sure you feel like AmeriCorps upon graduating high school but I had no clue what that meant or that there were even service programs like that I learned about it halfway through college and then I was like okay I'm all in because uh, it feels like NCCC was made for me I don't think mm -hmm. it was I don't I don't th I think it predates me a little bit but uh, yeah. if I could have just known that uh, <laughs> that that was possible earlier, like that's what it's about. So, you know, getting into classrooms, which I was able to do as a representative during NCCC, talking to, you know, K-12 students about programs like this, 
that's where it all starts because you know it's a saying that's come up a hundred times in my life as a mentor but if you can see it you can be it but if you don't mm -hmm. know it exists especially if you come from a background where your parents didn't go to school or you know they didn't do any sorts of programs they were working in a factory from a young age they don't know the alternative options to that or running the family business so just providing access in any way we're able to do that which just blab a lot on your linkedin blab a lot on your your instagram about your americorps experience i i have a medium blog that i keep and i wrote a story called my life of service where i go into a lot of depth for why i chose to do the work i did um and i think it 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 follows the narrative to getting my job at pizza hut at age 15 to working in the white house and things like that and you know we all have weird winding paths but when yeah. you're in that program together like you're all family so yeah i think that that's great advice and and it is about storytelling and, and getting it out there and um you know thank you for plugging the the podcast and saying this is like a, a great medium and, and i definitely want to continue my goal is to spend an entire year chatting with americorps alum and i'm halfway through this year so and it's it's been quite an adventure and everybody's journey is so different and what we're all doing is is different but we're coming at it kind of with the same sort of um i'm just going to keep calling it the same sort of essence of like service ish sort of thing so craig this was so wonderful and i'm going to make sure that i am able to get all the links to all the resources um thank you so much for sharing your time and you know for folks he's like moving out of his house in like two days he doesn't really have any internet so this was very special for us to be able to spend this time and um and knowledge so thank you so so very much and for all of you out there um i will be next week i've got a lot of people lined up that i'm doing some um pre-interviews with so we're gonna have some great folks on and um thank you for your time and thanks for tuning in and keep telling your stories thanks so much craig <laughs> thank you. Thank you.